0: This sort of influence is able to exist over such large masses. If you look at Russia, we have this very large geographical area, and we go from a czarist government getting overthrown by Bolsheviks. How did people know to start obeying these guys called Bolsheviks and no longer the, the czar? Did they just overthrow the capital, and then they just started calling the shots and everyone sort of just went with it? How were they able to enforce something over such a large mass?
1: Well, they were terrifying, but of course, it, it depended on force. Um, I mean, what was, I think, ingenious and, and to some extent new about Lenin's approach to politics, uh, he was a student of war, you know, he kept reading Clausewitz, so it was all about kind of you know, balance of forces and so on. But the part that I don't think people have understood, but I, I write about in my book, The Russian Revolution, for example, is that uh, the Bolsheviks targeted the military quite explicitly, quite deliberately, obviously ideologically as well. And if you actually look at the lyrics of uh, Eugène Poitier's The, the, the Internationale, The Anthem of International Socialism, it was about, in fact, it was about an army mutiny. Um, and the key line there is, um, you know, they'll know soon enough that our bullets are for our own generals, that effectively the, the capitalists and the ruling classes of the bourgeois had been foolish enough to arm the proletarians. Now obviously this is a, a gross simplification, but the idea that kind of the poor, those who had been conscripted into the armies, um, they had been armed. And so what you had to do is target the army with propaganda. Um, and in fact, while the Bolsheviks did make some inroads among factory workers and other urbanites in Moscow and Petrograd, you can actually see in the election figures of 1917, the last free elections held in November 1917 that their best numbers actually came in certain army units that they had targeted. Um, now, obviously, it was, it was partly a peace propaganda. We're going to end the war. And, and this is a message that kind of resonated. But effectively, was that the war was unjust. You know, you're fighting on behalf of these uh, these kind of you know capitalist oppressors and you know, the Tsar and Bloody Nicholas and all that. And so instead of turn your guns on your oppressors, so the idea is to turn the armies red. They don't win over everyone. It's just a matter of winning over enough so that when the armies begin to break down and the mutinies start to kind of spread through the armies in 1917, and then after the Bolsheviks take power and they immediately ask the Germans for a ceasefire, in part because of course Lenin had been financed by the Germans, which is to say it was a German agent. Rather, they saw him as useful. Uh, that's when the mutinies really spread and the army just lots of soldiers just walk home, but they walk home with their weapons and eventually, you know, those people are mobilizing. You know, first, yes, in Petrograd, a few other cities, they have the Red Guards, they get weapons into their hands. The civil war is fought out, of course, over the next several years, and in the end, it's not a matter of of putting everyone under arms. It's a matter of putting enough people under arms and terrorizing the rest, so that in the end, they have a monopoly on force. Of course, they disarm everyone else and and send their their most uh, dangerous opponents into camps or have them executed, red terror, etc. In the end, they have a monopoly on force, and that's that's what allows them to uh, to get their way.
0: You wrote a book, The Soviet Experiment. Can you explain how the Bolsheviks were able to seize power over such a large geographical area?
2: The great myth, and it's a myth that I have destroyed over and over again. Um, It's like number one on our list. Most history is fantasy. Is that the Western world not only did nothing to fight the Bolsheviks, but actively supported them. Um, The whites had tons of money, but no one would sell them weapons. No one would support them unless they immediately, you know, assumed all Soviet debt. uh, Oh, sorry, Russian debt and let let the, you know, British or the French come in and colonize economically. Um, The Bolsheviks were willing to play ball. They were, uh, they had tremendous um, uh, contacts in Western banking capitals. But more importantly, um, this was the ideological movement. Now, they didn't understand ideology so much. But, um. It was a, you know, uh, they they received the money that the whites didn't get. They, um, you know, uh, know, Karl Marx worked for the the, uh, major media. Um, For the New York Tribune, I think he wrote for. Uh, Trotsky wrote wrote for a major uh, uh, daily in America. Um, These were already establishmentarians. And I don't think most Americans knew what Bolshevism was at the time. But this was the group that they bet on that they thought was going to um, you know, save the Jews who were dying in pogroms and, and everything else. And um, that's what they that's where they went. The whites were considered you know, the worst kind of you know, we would call fascist, you know, um, and demonized in the press. And um, without Western support, the Bolsheviks take over and immediately food aid comes pouring in. Um, the whites, on the other hand, are using weapons stolen from the from the reds um the reds didn't have nearly the manpower that the whites had but they never ran out of ammunition kind of like isis never runs out of ammunition uh non-military men running things and yet they're somehow they're they're winning they were seen as the best bet to create a a stable russia um industrialized with free trade with uh, the west and importantly making good on 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 Soviet debts, I'm uh, sorry, Russian debts.
0: Anthony Sutton says that there was explicit exchanges between Jacob Schiff in America and German intelligence in hopes of taking Russia out of the war. Is there any uh, truth to that?
2: Anthony Sutton is one of my major sources. He has a three-volume work on the subject, where he has internal documents showing that the even right after, even during the Civil War. Western corporations were ready to build socialism with with the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks had nothing. The uh, engineers uh, were long gone, either dead or gone by the time they by the time they took over. There was nothing. Um, kind of Henry Ford built the largest Ford plant in the world in the 30s in Eastern Ukraine in Kharkiv. Um, all the Soviet automotive industry came came from that. Everything from the railways to the oil course, the Standard Oil. Uh, uh, The uh, Rothschilds moved into the oil field. Uh, The Lina, the the mining firms, all came from the West. They saw a massive um, opportunity to build that. They they didn't care if Bolshevism was whatever they want. Um, The Soviets knew that they couldn't build anything without Western capital. Stalin even worried about um, uh, that Soviet independence is going to be harmed because we're, we're so dependent on Western capital. Now, eventually, they... They were able to do this themselves. The first 15 years, my book really is more the first 20 years, I guess, 25 years. This was Western capital created the Soviet Union. Um, GE created their electrical grid. Everything the Soviet Union became was, and this is during the Great Depression. Everything the Soviet Union became is because of Western capital. Anthony Sutton was one of the few who laid this out with actual receipts. There's no question, but this continued right up until the 80s. Reagan even complained about it. I mean, high-tech computer equipment, weapons weapons equipment. You've got Soviet um, um, military taking classes at American universities. The only time you'll see sanctions on Russia is when someone like Putin's running it. All of a sudden, it's now a problem. China was slaughtering the worst mass murderer in history. They exploded their nuclear bomb in 1964, and the regime yawned. Iran is even thinking about nuclear power, and now this, that's the end of the world. It has to do with with the ideology. The establishment has always had a soft spot for socialism, so long as Western the dollar is not excluded from it. The only time the West had a problem with the Soviet Union was when it grew too large, and they'd have a problem with any empire that grew too large. And there was a possibility of
1: them not using the dollar anymore, of keeping American exports out. That was the only problem.